0: heart um, if you uh, would go with us and and I said this Wednesday that I was going to kind of spin off at the end of where uh, pastor Rodney ended up last Sunday night which was an awesome word thankful for it it's in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts and I just want to take this kind of as a, as a spin-off here because Something just began to burn in my heart. It's a subject that I've obviously preached uh, years ago. But I want to bring it back up again. So if you go there, 755 in the book of Acts. And I just want to read this verse. But being full of the Holy Spirit, looking intently into heaven. He saw the glory of God. And what comes next is this, this Greek word and. <clears throat> Kai. It has different meanings, varied meanings according to uh, the text, like many Greek words do. This word can mean and. So it is in addition to. It can mean Also. It can mean even, and it can mean namely. So I'm going to read it to you with namely. But being full of the Holy Spirit, looking intently into heaven, he or Stephen saw the glory of God, namely Jesus standing out of the right of God. That's the Greek. King James, is gonna, he's going to lead you down a different trail, but that's where we're going this morning. The glory of God. The glory of God. So I want to talk about the glory of God for a little while. Jesus, we just love you, Lord. And we pray. i humble myself. Because I'm nothing, and you're mighty, and you're great. It's your word, not mine. I just ask you as a servant that I'll just be a servant to my rabbi this morning. That I'll just serve you, Lord, and bring your words out. Man, do it right, divide it right. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. The glory of God. I think there's some misconception about the glory of God. Many people feel Let's just take it back to when we say the Word of God. There are a lot of people that feel that the Word of God, once it goes out, that it's separate from Him. I said something last week that the Lord stirred in my heart. There, there is no manifestation of God that becomes its own entity. God's Word doesn't go out and just like our Word, you know, our Word just goes out and falls to the ground. But He said in Isaiah, my Word goes out. It accomplishes what I sent it to do and it comes back. He doesn't lose possession of his word. He doesn't lose possession of any manifestation or any attribute of who he is. Doesn't become an entity of its own. So we look at the word of God and it's almost like it's, we sort of, people teach that it's sort of separate from God. You can use the word of God just like he did. Do that with faith. You need to have the God kind of faith. I'm not looking for any faith that's not in Him. So to take faith and make that an entity of its own and say, you need to have the kind of faith that God had. God had faith in the beginning, and faith was sort of like this, this different attribute that you and I can have so we can be just like God. That's the foolishness of a lot of preaching that's going on in, 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 in the faith preaching. When we look at the glory of God, and we can do the same thing with the glory of God. Make that sort of of an attribute around God or to God or by God, but not really. But I want to preach this morning about the glory of God, that being his glory, belonging to him, and him owning it. Can you say amen to that? Exodus the eighteenth, chapter, thirty third chapter, eighteen verse. Will you get that for me? I don't have my uh, Old Testament. This is just New Testament. I have uh, this morning my Greek New Testament. So Exodus is the 33rd chapter and the 18th verse. And, and Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. To most of us, I, there's a term that's kind of been coined by the, the whole Bethel movement. Glory hounds. Has anybody else ever heard that? I'm a glory hound. I'm not really sure what they mean by that. I think they're looking for something, you know, some manifestation of some kind to call glory. And so they go up and and I know somebody who knew the person that loaded the feather cannon at Bethel. Angel feathers would fall from the ceiling. Do you remember that? It was an absolute lie. They loaded feathers in a cannon and would shoot them out and they would fall down. That's not glory. That's practicing witchcraft. Same thing with gold dust. These are the people that are glory hounds. I'm not looking for that glory. No, no, no. Not at all. Don't want it. Don't want, to be a, I don't want to be attached to it. I don't want to be attached to the people who are attached to it. So, Moses, show me your glory. And it's interesting thing that we, we, we've worked on for years and years. And, and some of you may not have heard this. So let me just share it with you, uh, some of our Oklahoma EOC people. So, Moses is in the mountain of God. Um, He's already seen the water parted. He's already seen all the miracles in in the Exodus out of Egypt. The plagues and miracles and all that. He's already seen all that stuff. He has seen the fire of God at night and the cloud at day and the manna that comes up every morning. And he says, show me your glory. Because what he knows is that God's glory is not just another manifestation of things. That's not the glory of God. And for those who are looking for that, glory hounds are looking for that kind of thing. Can we see fire in the building? Can we, you know, put together all these ideas that we can see some glory of God? And so I'm going to try and dispel that this morning. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. I'm going to bring him right at the very end. But he also said another interesting thing. The Lord said to him, the "Lord said to him, you get in the cleft of the rock. And we, we all know this is, the rock is the type of, of Christ, right? You get in the rock. I'm going to cover you there with my hand. And then I will show you, and careful now because what is believed is God showed Moses his back parts. Now, he said, "I will show you my goodness, and when you get in that cleft of the rock, I will show you backwards the goodness of God." And so Moses, as it was, that picked up the pen in his hand and began to write the creation story because nobody else saw the backside of God. And the first day he said, and it was good. See, God began to show him his goodness. Now, he said, I will not, what I will not show you though, is I will not show you my face. I will not show you forward. I will show you backward. But I will not show you forward. Why will he not show him forward? because it's yet to happen. The glory is yet to happen. It hasn't been done yet. And so it's in process, but it's not done yet. And and God says, you can't see that and live. We've only come 2,000 years, and the glory of God is yet another 2,000 years, and you're not going to see that. Now, what he did was give them glimpses. Even Moses, he gave them glimpses of the Christ that was to come. Amen? He gave them. David, all we got, glimpses. Isaiah, glimpses. The different prophets, Micah, glimpses of what was to come, but they could not see the full glory of God. God showed Moses the full glory backward, but he didn't show him the full glory forward. And so let's talk about that a little bit. The Hebrew, um, oh, I've got to say this too, is that... He said, in that rock, I will reveal to you my name. And the the thing that we know about Moses, he was at the fire and there was a conversation between God and Moses, go down to Egypt, who will say sent me? Remember that? And so the first revelation of the name of God comes forward. And what was the name that God gave Moses? What was it? I, I am? Oh, okay, I am. That's the name that he gave Moses. So, Moses in the mountain, and God is again going to declare to him his name. What name does he go by? Well, we say Yahweh in the Old Testament. Yahweh is I am. I exist. I'm self-existent. I was, I will be, um, past, present, future. I am self-existent. I am. this. See, this is the name of God. If you want to take God to a name. So, um, another thing that I've heard out of that, out of the glory hounds, is that they're looking for, Jesus said in John 17, I gave them your name. Remember that? John 17, his last prayer. I gave to them your name. And so, the hound seekers say that the name of God is Abba. Has anybody heard that? That's what, that's, what they, that's what they got, Abba. Okay, time out. I've never been good with that because that's just Hebrew for father. That's all that is, not a name. No, Jesus gave them God's name. What is God's name? I am. Jesus revealed to them who God was. Somebody somebody follow me here. Jesus is the revelation of God, in other words. And so when He comes saying, I am, He has showed them not only the name of the Father, but the flesh of the Father walking on earth. Come on, say amen. That That was just free. Let's go to glory. Now, Hebrew word for glory is kavod. It was translated 270 years before Christ into what is called the Septuagint. The Septuagint was a Greek translation of the ancient Hebrew scripture. And so in their translation, they translated this Hebrew word kavod into doxa. And it actually was very, very close. So we have, when we study the Greek New Testament, it uses that word doxa. And and so the definitions of doxa are pretty much the same. As kavod, and it really glory is very close to it too. Doxa means honor and majesty ascribed to God by the understanding of His true character. And so, we say this: we see the glory of the Creator God in His handiwork. We see Him in the mountains, not in Oklahoma. We see Him in the mountains of California, in the snow, and they're getting it, you know, whatever. We see him in the rivers. We see him in his creative power, in the plains. We see him in the rolling hills of Claremore. I'll tell you what. I come up. I went out the other night and saw a sunset that just knock your eyes out—orange and red and clouds—and and we say that's that's our Creator God. And we kind of, you know, we kinda, sort of ascribe some glory to Him in that. And then we see the glory of God in the complexity of the human life. Rodney just said to me the other day, my goodness, I didn't know they could do so many things with blood. I didn't know blood was made up of so many parts. I mean, we're learning as we go here, right, that the complexity of the human body, you know what, something just exploded in the air one day. And it cooled off and we came out of a swamp and turned into monkeys and now look at us it's just awesome I believe that if you want to but the complexity of the human body is just it's just crazy and God this is our human body is just simple just simple stuff with God and he knows it all and puts us together so we see some glory there for sure we see the glory of God in the vastness of the universe this is where David was in Psalm 8 let me read that to you O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth listen to this who has set thy glory above the heavens verse 3 when I consider thy heavens the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is humanity that you remember him and the Son of Man that you visit him? And again, David, this last part is looking down through time. Now, David has touched the glory of God and he said, You set your glory above the heavens we can look at the heavens and say that it's glorious we can look at the earth and say oh the glory of God and the creation and we can look at the human body we can look at all the aspects around us in life everywhere and say this is the glory but God set his glory above it so you're not going to see the full glory of God in the earth somebody say amen not going to see the full glory of God in the earth and so What is, I want to take this last phrase, what is humanity that you remember Him and the Son of Man? Although it's interesting, there's two different Hebrew words here. For humanity is one word, and then the Son of Man is another word. The Hebrew word Adam or Adam is dirt that went back to dirt by sin. And then you visited this dirt man, And attended to Him. And so the glory of God is set yet above all of this. And the heavens glory is connected somehow to the earth and to men. Through that God would attend to us. He has visited us. But it's more than just visited. We have visitors occasionally. And... um, We'll talk a while, visit, you know, maybe eat a dinner or something. And then we go our separate ways, and that's a visit. But the Lord didn't come just to visit. He came to attend to fallen Adam. The second Adam came to attend to the first Adam who fell into sin. And God said, now you were from the earth. You're going to die and go to the earth. The second Adam says, I am not of the earth. And when he died, his body did not corrupt in the earth, but he ascended on high. Amen. And so the glory of God is yet connected to the heavens and to the earth. And this is where the fullness of the glory of God is manifested. God starts it in John 1.1. He starts it in Genesis 1.1. And what does he start to do? He starts to reveal his glory. God begins to reveal his glory. So when we look down through this process of time, everything is heading one direction. And so uh, the concept, the Logos, the concept and the logical reasoning and the preceding plan is put forward by I am in the beginning. And it's carried out then in perfect detail. The Logos of God, the plan of God, is carried out in perfect detail. And this manifests the full glory of God. You're not going to see the full glory of God in this earth. You're not going to see the full glory of God because we prayed and somebody got healed. You're not going to see the full glory of God because of what you've been hoping for uh, came to pass that you've been praying about. There's another glory of God that's higher. Can everybody say higher with me? I don't want to lose anybody this morning, so stay with me. There's a glory that's higher. That's a proceeding, plan, purposed, logical reasoning of God. And for 4,000 years... That purpose and process moved forward. So, everything God did in the past was all there to bring His glory. Now, we see Him in certain places and we see the glory. Isaiah saw the glory of God. He saw Him high and lifted up in His train filled the temple. And He sees a partial view of the glory of God, just a taste of the glory. Moses. He's calling out, God, show me your glory. The ancients knew there was something more than what they had. They knew it meant more than just temple worship and tabernacle worship. And and there was something that was higher. And so God has His glory in His plan, in His purpose. 4,000 years, He is revealing that until the time of Christ. Christ the Lord, the I am, is going to demonstrate and bring in the full glory of God. John 17. And if you've ever read that, you probably said, well, there's some confusion there. I don't understand some of the things that he's saying in this prayer. But the point is, Yeshua is ready to finish the deal. He's standing at a point that unless he goes forward, the glory of God cannot be revealed to man. He has to proceed. So we go to the book of Philippians and it says, he humbled himself and he took the cross. Can you say amen? Because in the humbling himself, and if you read that chapter, and it's because of the humbling, because of the cross, now we can clearly say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But standing at John 17, he says, he says this. He's, he's ready to go. He's ready to wrap up this visitation dwelling with mankind that David had talked about. And he says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Now, I'm not going to break God down into pieces again there's a father and there's a different son. No, no, no. It's one glory. Everybody say it with me. One glory. Not two. This verse is not speaking about separating glories. All have a glory and you'll have a glory. All God's children will have a glory. That's not what he's saying here. The time has come. Glorify me in you. And I'm going to glorify you in me, because the Father and I are one. Amen? And so the glory that's going to be seen here is not, oh God, we're just going to give glory to glory to Christ. A, a, a man wrote a book years ago. I talked to him. I told him, "You have shipwrecked your faith in Jesus Christ." He wrote a book that said, "Give God the glory." But in that, you were not supposed to praise Jesus. You cannot give God glory without praising Jesus. No man comes. No man writes a book that has a right to say that, that God is mad because we've been worshiping Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, God's mad at us like crazy here. Because we've got one worship. Can you say amen? And that's for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is I Am. If we don't believe that He is I Am, we will die in our sins. Remember last week we quoted that. You high priest, you men that go in and take the sacrifices to the temple, and you slay the lambs, and you lay them out there, and you do all the sacrificial duties, you will die in your sin if you do not know who the I Am is so I connect that with glory because because father this hour has come spirit and flesh one glory Luke the 24th chapter and 26th verse Jesus had been walking with the road uh, on the road to Emmaus with these two men and he says to them in the 26th verse of, of Luke 24 he says was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things to enter into The glory of Him. So He's standing at the point of glory. I mean to this point, I I, I believe that we could see the Lord in His ministry and it was glorious. Amen. But we're only catching a glimpse because the glory is not totally revealed in His ministry. The plan of God has to be done in order for the glory of God to be completely seen. It has to be finished and done and over. And, and so, I, I want to look at David again in another setting, Psalms 110 and 1. It's the same as Matthew 22, 24, where Jesus quoted, and quoting out of the Septuagint translation, The Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. I'm just going to read it how, it how it says it. Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Hebrew text reads it this way, Yahweh said unto my Adonai, and this is important. Yahweh God said to my Adonai, this is David speaking, Adonai is, it's a Lord, but it is an earthly Lord. And so you read it in in the King James, it just said, and the Lord said to my Lord. Have you ever wondered about that? Yahweh said to my Adonai, Lord, it's, it, it's like Thomas' last confession. You are the Lord of me and the God of me. Both. And this is what David's saying, and prophetically he doesn't understand it, but what he's saying is that his Lord, Adonai, is Lord in the earth, but yet he's God in heaven at the same time. And so David, in, in, in seeing this, he speaks of something that we're going to find in the finality of the glory of God. We see Jesus, this Lord, this Adonai. And so the Lord asks them, who then is David talking about? Who is David's son? Because obviously this, is, this is, it, it, it is one that David has birthed in his line. Who is this? And they can't answer him. Because to the Hebrew, they don't understand that God can be in the heaven and the earth at the same time. They hold to one God. They're not going with multiple gods. They, they don't understand the manifestation of God in the earth, manifested in flesh, incarnation. They don't understand that, but David sees this glimpse. And in the finality of it, he sees this sitting at the right. Now, I'm going to give you permission this morning as a pastor, not as God, not as a writer of Scripture, but I'm going to give you permission as a pastor. Everybody got a pen? I permit you as a pastor that in every inference in the Bible that it makes reference to Jesus being at the right hand, on the right hand, in the right hand, at the right hand, scribble handout, it's not there. It just simply is not there. They say it's implied by the word dexia, that dexia implies the right side. But what they're failing to understand is that to the Jew, the right side is the right of authority. The right side is the right of power. And with my mighty right arm, God says. He do not say I'll use my left arm. With my hand and my right arm, I will deliver you. And so everywhere that it says hand there in the New Testament, it's not in the text, and you don't have to put it in there because I'm, you know, I don't know. Like I said a little while ago, I don't reverence very many people, and I don't reverence Trump, but it was a thrill to see him come through there. But I don't reverence the translators. They have their ideas. And we have ours. They read the Greek. They translated. We read the Greek. And we also have... Somebody said, don't mess with that, man. Don't go there. That's already been done. Yeah, it's been done wrong. In lots of places. And this is one of them. Now, I want to show you something. Go up into outer space with me this morning. Go up into outer space. When you get up there, you will find neither up or down, left or right, north, south, east, or west. Just simply not there. There are no meridian lines out in space. Everybody know what a meridian line is? That's, that's the lines that we have in the earth to figure, you know, location and all that, east and west, north, south, all that. that's how we do that. The equator line, and we, that, that's what we've done. Job said the lines of God go out in the earth. They don't go out in heaven, though. You get up in the heaven, there is no... Now, I want, I want, your, I, I want God in the heaven now. And I want God as a spirit. I don't want Him as a man. I want Him, John 4, God is a spirit. You take the Spirit of God into eternity now. Take Him into space, wide open space. The Spirit of God, which has no, no limbs, no hands, no feet, no arms. You take the Spirit of God in space, which has no up, no down, no in, no out. No no distance, no direction. There is no direction in space and eternity. And now I'm going to ask you, what is the right of God? If I'm come here, Shane. This is my grandson. Get over here. He's at my right hand. Now he's at my left hand. That's us because we have a forward and a backward. Stay right there. Now let me let God in the space. You can't see him, right? He doesn't have a right hand, He doesn't have a behind and in front of. He, he is non directional. He doesn't exist in the form of man. Thank you. You help me preach right there. And so to say that, to say that, that that God is directional, even though he has no features of any kind, I think it's implausible with the gospel to say the right hand of God but I can say this. I can say the right of authority and power of God. I can say the right and dominion of our Lord God. That's what He uses in the Old Testament. He doesn't come down with an arm. If He's going to smite an army, what does He do? Come down like we would a bunch of soldiers on a table and brush them off? He doesn't use that kind of an arm. He he speaks. He has authority and power, and the right of power is in him. That's in I am. Can you say amen? Is everybody okay? If you're okay, say amen this morning. I don't want to lose anybody. This is, this is kind of, well, it's a little deep. No, it's not that deep. Keep swimming here with me. We'll, we'll get there. And, and so the Scripture does not assert that God is directional and that Christ is at the right hand or side of God. But rather the Scripture asserts the position of authority in all of those references made to Him at the right, in the right, by the right, on the right. Wherever those are made, it is asserting the authority that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is everybody okay with that? If we're okay with that, we can go on. If not, we'll shut down and go to lunch. Here we go. Hebrews 1. Having made cleansing of sins, he sat down in right. I'm going to read it to you as the Greeks say, in right of the majesty on high. Would he sit anywhere else? He has ascended above all things. He is preeminent above all things. When he has done the final work, the cleansing of sin, what does that represent? The cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension. And when he ascended on high, he sat down in the place of majesty. And then Hebrews the 12th chapter said, who against the joy that was set before him endured the cross, paying no regard to the shame, and in the right of the throne of God, sat down. Now I'm going to present this also. Everybody, your, your view of heaven may be different than mine, and, you know, whatever you've been taught. We all went to Sunday school. We all opened those little books and saw all the mansion. It's all that stuff. But let me present to you that I don't believe the throne. Is a place, and I don't believe that necessarily the, that the Lord has to sit down and rest. Why do we sit in chairs? Do you know why we sit in chairs? Because we're tired. They're not working all day. Charlie, right? Pull that thing back. Everybody goes on Sunday. Brother, a lot of us just go and say, man, I want to crank back in that chair, you know, right? Sunday afternoon. Why? We're tired. Lord's not tired. That's not why He's sitting down. He's sitting in the place of majesty and authority of the very throne of whatever that is, the throne of God. And this is the picture which the New Testament leaves our Lord positioned in this place. And so when you sit down, when you sit down, it's done. If if you have been in a battle, if you have been in a war, if you have been in a competition, if you have been in you sit down it's over mission accomplished completed done it has proceeded from genesis 1 1 john 1 1 all the way to acts the 7th chapter and the 55th verse and this is how stephen saw the glory of god namely jesus standing out of the rightful place of god himself this is the completed thing That Stephen saw. He saw where Jesus is right now. And I want you to know that he is here by his spirit this morning. But there is a body that left this earth and that ascended into heaven. And that body is forever in the throne of God. He is that I am that I am. Can you say amen? And we give him all position and see him in all glory. Someone said this, but when Stephen saw Jesus, he was standing. And somebody said, you know what? The Lord saw what Stephen was doing, what Stephen was preaching, what Stephen was going through and his last breath and his dying breath and the Lord stood up to receive him into glory. I believe that. And so the vision that Stephen sees looking into heaven. If anyone ever intently looks into heaven, and I'm saying this to you, if you ever intently look into heaven, this is what's going to be seen. Is the plan and purpose of God completely fulfilled in Christ? That is the glory of God. It's the full glory of God. You will see the Logos of God fulfilled, like Stephen did, embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua Jesus alone, seated in the place of all power and prominence. I don't really have time. We're going to have to dismiss here in a bit, but go through the crazy notions of heaven, what people have made heaven to be. I, I watched this woman... This woman, she's either retarded or demon-possessed, describing heaven. What's her name, Ronnie? Red-haired, blue-haired, why is it? Cat Kerr. Don't, don't watch her. Dog cur, Ker, Cat Kerr, whatever it is. They're asking her questions about heaven because she's been to heaven. She hasn't been to heaven. She's been out on a trip somewhere. I think she was on LSD when she saw this. I mean, it's every kind of circus trick and and flying through heaven, learning how with your wings to fly through heaven. It's just foolishness after foolishness after foolishness after foolishness. If you did get a glimpse of heaven and you didn't see what Stephen saw, you didn't see heaven. You saw something else. You didn't see the glory of God. It's not the glory of God. They have the biggest stables in heaven. You can ride any pony, and, and oh, it's just awesome. Ferris Do they have Ferris? Yeah, they have the Ferris wheels. They have a, That's not heaven. That's LS, That's hell on LSD. If you ever intently look into heaven, what you're going to see is the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Jesus standing, seated, standing in all power and dominion and authority. That's what you're going to see about the heavenly. Can somebody say amen this morning? Trying to get to heaven on a forgiveness card isn't going to work. You cannot get to heaven without knowing Jesus Christ. Somebody dying, I was in the oil fields and I knew a guy that was there, a truck exploded, caught on fire. The man was, it it burned him to a crisp. And this guy was saying in his dying breath, ask God to forgive your sin, ask God to forgive your sin. Well, forgiveness of sin does not get you to the glory of God. Forgiveness of sin will get you into hell. You're not going to hell because of your sin. You're going to hell because you don't know the Savior. And because you don't know Him, you continue to sin. But to know Him is freedom from sin. Can you say, amen? man, He breaks the chains. You, you used to have a father that that He taught you how to sin. Now, you have a Father now that shows you how you can live above the power of sin in your life. And this, this is the completed work of God. Amen. So, now I'm going to close with this. Though it's not worded in the Bible, we can state with full confidence by the consensus of Scripture That Yeshua Jesus is and can proclaim, I am the glory of God. You don't find that statement in Scripture, but, but He can say it. He is the I am. I am the glory of God. And the glory of God is within Himself. He doesn't throw it out. He doesn't share it with another. See, this is one of of the scriptures. He doesn't share his glory with Jesse Duplantis and share his glory with, 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 with different healers and all the stuff that's going on. He doesn't share his glory because that's not his glory. His glory is that he stands in the place of eternal power. He stands in the place of, Jesus said to them, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. The cry of every Christian heart, purpose-driven. How many have read the purpose-driven stuff? Just a couple. Let me tell you what the purpose that should drive your heart is to see the glory of God. What Moses wanted to see, God, show me your glory. I can't show it to you now, but... But you and I are on the other side of this thing. The glory is complete. The glory is complete. Somebody say amen. The glory has been finished. It's been done. It's over. It said, now God can show us the glory of God. And He does show us the glory of God in the person, in the prosopon of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, we see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is no other glory. There's no glory in church stuff. There's no glory in in healings. There's no glory in revivals. The only glory there is is in the person of Jesus Christ who is the great I am of God. Hallelujah. Is everybody happy about that? If you're not happy about that, you need to find another church. I'm not inviting anybody to leave, but what I am telling you is that is what we are going to preach. I have placed my eternal destiny in that Jesus Christ is who He said He is. And that's it with me. If He is not, when I die, I will fall off in the uh, the abyss of I don't know what. But my faith is in Jesus Christ. This morning, can you say Amen? He is the I am. Oh, He is the I Am this morning. He is the glory of everything. No wonder... What Stephen saw was, oh, wow, well, how powerful is that? He's taking his last breaths, and he's only got one thing. Oh, boy, I see the Ferris wheels coming. Man, I see the mansions awry and streets of gold and things that I've never had and gates of pearl. No, no, he sees the glory of God. Jesus standing out of the right of the power of God. There he is. There's the glory. I see him. That's what I'm after this morning. I'm after the glory this morning. If I'm going to be a glory hound, it's not this earthly junk. It is to see him in his glory. Hallelujah. Would you stand? God bless you. I hope that you have understood and and gained something. Maybe you'll go back and and rehearse this a little bit, study it out a little bit yourself. See see what we've what we've tried to to just instill in you. Again, it's the hungry that are fed. It's not those that don't care. They're not fed. But those that are hungry to see the glory of God, you're going to see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We appreciate this good day. Lord, I labored in an area just to show one more thing. You you can boldly stand out in front of us and say, I am the glory of God. And it's just our heart to seek after you, Lord. It's our heart to see you. Lord, to see you as you are. I pray, God, that you would just birth that in each one of us that's heard this word this morning. And we give you the glory. We give you our glory unto you. Praise, honor, and adoration in the name.